This is a Willits Point Shea Stadium bound 7 express train. The next and last stop is Willits Point Shea Stadium. It is the Subway to Shea podcast. That's right. We're back. Well, I'm back. So the Subway to Shea podcast, Anthony Rivera, here with you, talking about all the news and happenings surrounding that team from Queens, the New York Mets. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Subway to Shea. Listen to the show on Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Pocket Casts. Turn on those notifications to never miss an episode of Subway to Shea. If you're a new listener to this podcast, welcome. Thanks for joining us, and I hope you consider subscribing on any of the platforms I just mentioned. Also, make sure to share it with your fellow Mets fans. If you've been a supporter this whole entire time, from the beginning, from episode one all the way to episode 53, which we are on today, thank you. This show wouldn't be where it is right now without you. Subway to Shea is global. This podcast not only is played in the United States, but also reaches Great Britain, Canada, Australia, Mexico, the Netherlands, Italy, and Colombia. No matter where you listen, please take a few minutes to write me a review. Let me know what you think of the show, what you like, what you don't like. I want to make this show better each and every week for you Met fans out there. So by going on Apple Podcasts, rating the show from one to five stars, hopefully you're leaving me five stars, and by going to write a comment in the review section, it can only help me to make this show better each and every week. You can also rate the show on Spotify. That's a new feature out there. If you listen to the podcast on there, that's a great way to help me get boosted up there and and help new listeners to come aboard that subway to Shay. Don't forget, Follow my work for Rising Apple. Rising Apple is a New York Mets site on the fan-sided network. You can read my articles by going to risingapple.com or checking out the links in the description of this week's podcast. I'll put it out there. Make sure to follow Rising Apple on Twitter at Rising Apple Blog and the fan-sided network at fan-sided. Now, before we start the show, I wanted to thank our last show's guest. I would say last week's show, but we've been on hiatus. So on the last episode, we had Joe DeMeo. Joe's a contributor at SNY.TV and co-host of the That's So Mets podcast with Connor Rogers, one of the preeminent names in covering Mets prospects. That's what we talked about because there's not much to talk about in the major league roster, right? Still on lockout, but we could still talk about the prospects. And that's what we did. If you haven't listened to that episode, give it a listen. Give Joe a follow. Joe, thanks again. I look forward to having you on the show in the future. Now on to this week's episode, like I mentioned before, episode 53 of the Subway to Shape podcast. Now I took a brief hiatus, I mentioned that a little bit earlier, needed a break, was waiting to see where this lockout would take us, and we got a devastating result. If you follow me on Twitter, I've been tweeting about this as well as recorded a Twitter Spaces, a little Mets venting forum I did, and I got to talk with a lot of you Met fans out there, and I appreciate you coming on with me, kind of did this like little radio show where I got to talk with you all and let you all vent, 
and talk about how you feel about what's going on with these canceled game and the lockout. It was a good way to just air out our frustrations and come together while baseball's on hold. I'll be doing more Twitter spaces in the future, so please, please, please be on the lookout for those. Like I said, follow me on Twitter, at Subway to Shea. That's where I'll do those. And on to the big devastating news. MLB cancels the first two series of the year. They could not come to an agreement during the CBA negotiations. They spent all of last week talking and all day Monday meeting about 17 hours. And it felt like they were close. From what was being fed to us by the media, which was probably being fed to them by the owners, Tuesday felt like all that work was undone. But was any work done really? Because the numbers never changed from the players association side and from the owner's side nothing really felt like it changed there were some little things they came together on like the shift obviously they talked about the dh super two but they couldn't come to a deal by the 5 p.m deadline they made on tuesday so rob manfred came around and he announced the first two series are canceled for the mets for us met fans that means that march 31st april 2nd and april 3rd that opening week, that opening series against the Nationals at City Field, canceled. April 4th and 5th against the Braves at home, also canceled. There's no way around it. It just sucks. It just sucks. Now, not going to get into the numbers given out by each side. I'm not going to pretend to understand all of that. I just want to see baseball on the field. Get whatever deal you need to get done and let me see these guys play on the field. So let's talk about some other observations that were made. A big issue has been the competitive balance. Should they raise the CBT tax to allow teams to spend more or not? Four teams, according to Evan Drillick of The Athletic, four teams said no. Cincinnati Reds, Arizona Diamondbacks, the Detroit Tigers, and the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. I'm surprised the Tigers were in on this, to be honest with you. And the Angels, and we're going to get to them in a second. I had a feeling for the Reds, they don't really spend. The Diamondbacks, also another team that doesn't really spend anymore. But the Tigers and the Angels, who are kind of a little bit above when it comes to spending, they decided to vote against this. And I'm surprised. You know, I talked about this on the Twitter spaces. Let's look at the teams that are the lowest of the low in payroll. The Oakland Athletics at 89.7. We know what they're all about. Moneyball. That's it. Arizona Diamondbacks at 88.7. Kansas City Royals, 86.6 million. Detroit Tigers, 86.3 million. I have a feeling that's going to change for them. I feel like they're going to spend, but I'm surprised that they were a part of this. The Tampa Bay Rays, 70.8 million. Miami Marlins, 58.2 million. Pittsburgh Pirates, 54.4 million. The Orioles, 53.8. And rounding out the bottom feeder, Cleveland Guardians at 50.2. Two million, And it's surprising because their owner is the fifth richest owner in all of baseball. But the one that really bothers me is the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. And now, not to mention, these teams were the ones that were against Steve Cohen taking over the Mets. But let's talk about the Angels. Let's talk about Artie Moreno. Not really known for making wise decisions and wise choices. Now, he wants to cut the salary tax and keep it, I think, at a, I think it was at $200 million. He doesn't want it to rise. And I think the players were trying to get it to 220, 230. Can't get together on the number. But of all people, Artie Moreno, who spent all this money to bring in Rendon, 
to bring in Albert Pujols, signing Wilson, the pitcher, not too long ago, signing Shohei Atani, who may be the best player at all, and I'm pretty sure he doesn't want to lose him because he knows if Shohei Atani makes it to the market, or even Mike Trout, if Mike Trout makes it to the market, he ain't going to stay. The Dodgers would be after him, the Yankees, the Mets, Boston. So it's very surprising to me that Artie Moreno, who never spent well, and let's not, you know, I'm not going to sugarcoat it for the Mets. They've never spent well either, but they never complained about this. And now that we've got the owner that can spend, now this happens? There was a tweet out not too long ago. I'm going to pull it up on my phone right now, on my uh, Subway to Shade Twitter right now, by Fabian Ardaya. He covers the Dodgers for the Athletics. And he goes, another interesting part of this story that shouldn't be that surprising. In bargaining, owners have used the Mets and their relatively new owner, Steve Cohen, and the Dodgers as examples of teams they're worried about outspending the competition's Sources said, why? Why would all these teams, all the bottom feeders, why would they be so upset about this? Because if we go over the CBT, you're going to get money from us. And then what happens? You're going to pocket it. You're not going to spend it. The Pirates aren't going to spend it. The Reds aren't going to spend it. The Angels who spend, this is surprising that they would be a part of this. And I find it funny that Moreno wants to do this after he spent $21 million dollars on a pitcher in Noah Syndergaard who has only pitched two innings in the last two years coming off of Tommy John surgery. Now, you're telling me that's money well spent? I don't know. I don't think so. So, Artie Moreno's a hypocrite. He's a clown, and he's a hypocrite for doing that. I'm intrigued to know what the Angels fans think of him. The fans are not fans of the owners. That's for sure. I mean, us Met fans were never fans of the Wilpons. Right now, we're fans of Steve Cohen, but if he doesn't win, produce, you know, they're going to turn on him as well. My thing is, I I know they want to punish the teams that spend, like the Mets, like the Dodgers, like the Yankees, like the Red Sox. My thing is, what is being done to make sure teams don't tank like the Orioles, like the Pirates, like the Indians, like the Reds, like the Diamondbacks? We've all talked about it. There should be a salary floor, at least $100 And if the teams don't reinvest the CBT tax that they get, they have to give that money back to the teams that do spend. At the very least, invest in your front office hires, scouts, analytics. Although the Tampa Bay Rays are in the lower echelon, that lower tier of teams that spend, one, they did spend on Wanda Franco. I'll give him credit for that. But they have one of the best front offices in all of baseball. That's why they're able to do what they can do with a lower payroll. And I'm pretty sure the Reds, the Diamondbacks, Tigers, Pirates, Angels, they're all looking at that and being like, see, not everyone needs to spend so much, but they put in the work, the effort into building a winning team. They scout, they analyze, they look at the numbers, they look at how to put teams together. But I do think there needs to be a salary floor. Now, I mentioned that Monday, they met all day for about 17 hours. Looking back, it feels like posturing from the owners. They probably knew a deal wasn't going to get done So they were feeding the media lines to tell the public to have a last-ditch effort to get baseball fans on their side. And that's never going to happen. And they've done themselves no favors. Tuesday's announcement from Manfred. Why is he smiling? Why is he laughing when he's coming to the podium? Telling us all that this is the worst day for baseball fans. We care about the baseball fans. I don't think so. It doesn't feel like it. Otherwise, there'd be baseball right now. But like I said, not all of this is his fault. 
Let's not put all the blame on Rob Manfred. He's the messenger. It's the owners like the Cleveland Guardians owner, who is the fifth richest owner and doesn't want to spend. They have the lowest payroll. It's the Pirates owners. It's the Orioles owners. Obviously, now it's the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim owner. And Tony Clark, let's not, let's not gloss over this. Tony Clark should shoulder some of this blame as well. The MLBPA is in this position, okay? The Players Association is in this position because of the last couple of failed agreements, which Clark has been a part of. I don't know how many he's been in charge of. I don't know if it was just the last one or what. But this has been a problem while Tony Clark has been in charge. Should he be in charge of the Players Association after this? I don't know. Max Scherzer has been at the forefront of a lot of these meetings this past week. Maybe he should be in charge. And why did they wait so long to meet? Took six weeks off before meeting? They could have had time and not rushed to the last minute. Who knows how long this will take as the sides are not close enough to where they should be monetarily wise. But I will say this. I think the next CBA agreement, fans should not renew their season tickets going into it. I'm not saying a full-on boycott for their whole season. But until they get situated, don't buy season tickets. Don't buy any tickets. Don't buy any merchandise. So they can take this a little more seriously and work faster. Once they get a deal done, go ahead, invest your money in tickets and merch. See, the MLB doesn't know how to promote itself or help itself. Look at what they did after that free agent frenzy. How fun was that? Those couple of days where all those signings were happening, it felt like the NBA. It felt like the NHL. It was a lot of fun. Then what happens? The lockout. MLB has to do better job promoting itself. Now, I know that with this lockout, no moves could be made, but an interesting conversation came up on the Michael K. Show with a guest in Buster Olney who mentioned that the Mets had checked in on Freddie Freeman. Now, to me, that's awesome. But as awesome as it sounds, there are some concerns. How would that work with Pete Alonzo and the DH? Pete has shown last year that he's improved defensively. That's why he played first base most of last season over Adam Smith. His defense really improved. I thought that he could have been a gold glove winner. That's how well I thought he played. And with the DH set to come, in this 2022 season, it's not an easy decision to make to have Pete Alonso go DH and have a Freddie Freeman at first base, especially with Robinson Cano. Do you really want him playing second base? I would put him at DH once the season starts. If you're not releasing him or getting rid of him, he is the DH. And then you got to think about Jeff McNeil and J.D. Davis and Dom Smith. If those guys are not traded and stay on the Mets, you got a dilemma. You also have to be curious as to why the Atlanta Braves would let him go to an NL East rival. You know what that reminds me of? It reminds me of when they let Tom Glavin come over to the Mets, and he was never the same pitcher again. He had a couple of good seasons, but the first couple were not good. And he was one of their best pitchers. Saw a Young Award winner. World Series champion. Part of that trifecta with Greg Maddox and John Smoltz. Why would they let him go? So you got to wonder, why are they letting Freddie Freeman go? He's been the face of that franchise. So you got to be careful. As much as I would like to buy everyone, you got to be careful with some of these moves. You got to make smart, wise decisions. And obviously, we, I'm not saying we shouldn't go after Freddie Freeman, but I just want to give you a different side of things instead of just saying, yeah, let's go after him. We got to think about these things. 
Because the Mets also need pitching. They need bullpen help. They need a starter. Would they bring in another outfielder? We don't know. Is Mark Canna going to be starting the whole season? I don't know. So these are some of the things we have to think about. Are they going to trade a McNeil, a Davis, or a Smith? Are they going to release a Robinson Cano? These are all things that we are going to have to consider once we get back underway after this lockout. Now, my final thoughts before this train leaves the station. The Mets made history hiring Elizabeth Ben as their director of Major League Ops. She's the highest ranking woman baseball ops employee in franchise history. I don't know too much about her, but I know that there's an article out there by the one, the only Anthony DeComo, which he wrote. We're going to pull that up at this moment in time to check out. I don't know too much about her, but she's been an MLB employee since 2017. She worked for the league front office in youth programs, labor relations, and since 2020 in baseball operations. She's a University of Toronto and Columbia University graduate and an avid baseball player. Since 2016, Ben has pitched in the New York City Metro Baseball League, and she's the first woman to play in that league. So, congratulations. She will be working with Billy Epler, Bern Alderson, Ian Levin, Ben Zosmer. Great to see women getting their due, especially in the Mets organization, and especially a high position like that. You know that the Mets were after Gene Afterman from the Yankees. They went after Raquel Ferreira. So I'm wondering if this is the kind of position that Elizabeth Ben will take on hold. And they also hired their first on-field female coach in franchise history, Gretchen Acoin. Good to see her. Congratulations to both of them. And it's good to see the diversity in the Mets organization continue to grow. Now, there were also additional hires by the Mets. Pat Ragazzo, you've heard him on the show before. He talked about it. Additional front office hires that were tied to Billy Epler. Jonathan Strangio as vice president of baseball operations. Nate Horowitz, a senior director of player personnel. Nick Sparr as director of baseball operations. And Steve Martone, a special assistant. Tim Britton was the first on it, but I'm opening up the article from Pat Ragazzo of Sports illustrated a lot of these guys have worked with GM Billy Epler during his time as GM in the Los Angeles Angels so it's nice to see that Epler is allowed to bring some of his own people in as people thought that he wasn't going to really be in charge and he is and it's good to see him bring in his own guys so that right there is great for the Mets moving forward they're really starting to put together this front office It's going to be solid moving forward. Now, before we wrap up the show, please take a few minutes to write me a review. Let me know what you think of the show, what you like, what you don't like. I want to make this show better each and every week. So by going on Apple Podcasts, rating the show from one to five stars, hopefully you're giving me five stars, and leaving a comment in the review section. It helps me to help this show grow each and every week. You can also rate the show on Spotify if you listen to the podcast on there. You can rate the show there. It gives me a boost. And follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Subway to Shea. Listen and subscribe to the show on Anchor.fm. I mentioned Apple Podcasts. I mentioned Spotify. Also Google Podcasts and Pocket Casts. Turn on those notifications to never miss an episode of Subway to Shea. Also, I'm a contributor for Rising Apple, a New York Mets site on the fan-sided network. 
you can check out my articles for Rising Apple as I will leave the links in the description of this episode. Make sure to follow Rising Apple on Twitter at Rising Apple Blog. Thank you everyone for tuning in. I appreciate you all so very much. And that will do it for this week's episode of the Subway to Shape podcast. Always remember, always remember to listen, subscribe, share, and review. For Anthony Rivera, you've been listening to Subway to Shea. Let's go Mets.